Morning, everyone. Hi, uh, my name's Ed, as you've just heard. Now, listen, we're a camera down this morning, which means that people watching at home can't kind of see the kind of wide shot of everybody here. So it's really important to let everyone at home know that you're here. So if you could just make a noise, that'd be great. That's, that's just proof that we're not kind of here on our own in the building. Um, and uh, yeah, it's lovely to, to be together this morning. We are thinking a bit about our identity as a church and as followers of Jesus. And we're looking at some of the early chapters of 1 Corinthians. And, and today we're in chapter 3. But, but just before that, I just want to give a little kind of preview of our next few Sundays. Um, many of us will know that, that today marks the start of the United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP26 taking place in Glasgow starting today and and you know it's really really important for us as the, the people of God to be praying um, over these next couple of weeks um, you know it's particularly as kind of world leaders from around 200 kind of countries gather together and they announce the some of the actions that they're going to take to cut emissions by 2030 you know we're, we're longing we're praying that actually what we see is not only promises but we see real action and and so um, I just want to encourage you to be praying over these couple of weeks but next Sunday so the the middle weekend of the conference we are here at Highgrove going to have a COP26 themed service we're going to be thinking a little bit about the planet and God's call on us to be good stewards and to to care for uh, for the planet well um, and then over the following two weeks, we're then going to go embark on a, another little mini-series. We're going to be thinking a bit about racial justice and diversity and, and the church. Uh, we, we haven't managed to kind of quite coincide it with Black History Month, which, which ends today. Um, but, you know, actually for us, we, we, we don't believe that those two issues of, of care for the planet and, and, and diversity and inclusion, we, we don't believe them to be separate from our faith. We don't believe them to be sideshows. You know, we believe them to be right at the heart of God and what God is calling us as a church to, uh, to do. So just a little heads up of that the next few weeks. And I'll just invite you on that, that journey with us. You know, listen, uh, you know, come along and let's listen to God. Let's hear what it is he's, he's calling us to do. But for now, uh, back to today. We are, who are we? We are a work in progress. And as we read 1 Corinthians, just a reminder that what, what we're doing is we're, uh, Paul is writing a letter to a church that, that he planted. And he's writing to address problems and, and divisions that were, were going on in the church. And, and, and he's kind of reminding them, and this is what God is calling you. This, this is your identity. And this is how you are to conduct yourselves in line with that identity. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, do follow along. Uh, it'll also be on the screen, of course, um, as well. I've just made it a little bit bigger for me this week. Last time I spoke, I was just really struggling to read it. So that's a tiny bit better. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarrelling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. 
The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light." It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Let's uh, pray for a minute. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's such a gift to us as we seek to live our lives. And Lord, we just want to open ourselves to what it is you want to speak to us about this morning. Help us to be responsive to you. Lord, we know that our kind of brains are just full of information. We're bombarded all the time with stuff. But Lord, we know that your word brings transformation to our lives. And so, Lord, we say, bring it on. Would you speak to us this morning? May we know your voice and respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Who here remembers the London 2012 Olympics? Yeah, it's a little while ago now, wasn't it? But who remembers that? Now, it was an amazing summer. I remember us being absolutely captivated by the Olympics. You know, we we spent most of those two weeks doing our best, sort of slightly regretting not going into a ballot for tickets and thinking, how can we make the most of this once-of-a-lifetime opportunity to to go and see one of the events, you know, any event. You know, we just want to take take part in it just to be part of the Olympics. Um, in the end, the, the only tickets we managed to get were kind of right at the very end. And it was to see the, the men's football bronze medal match between Japan and South Korea at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Um, it was great. Now, I'd just like to say I do have permission, all the necessary permissions to use this photograph. Um, and, um, and Toby, who's in control of what goes on the live stream, is I think is going to put out for grammar, aren't you? Yeah, good. Um, now... One thing you need to know is that the Marsh family are really not very big on football. We're not very big on football at all. We're big on other things, which I will not mention, you know. Um, but, we, you know, even so, we were, we were really, really excited. You know, as we took our place among these kind of 56,000 other people in this stadium, and it, it was quite the party atmosphere, you know, it was brilliant. Um, but to be honest with you, we spent kind of most of our time trying to figure out which team was which. Do you know what I mean? And, um, you know... But one thing we kind of rapidly realised is that actually it didn't really matter. Because what happened is that that everyone seemed to be cheering for both teams. You know, uh, South Korea, they won possession and everybody cheered. And then Japan won the ball back and everybody cheered. And then in the first half, South Korea scored and the place just kind of went completely wild. So we just joined in. We just went wild. Amazing. It's a goal. And you you can sort of picture the scene. We're kind of, it all dies down and we're turning to one another. Who was that? Which which team was that? Who, Who scored? I apologise to my father-in-law, who's, you know, we're not bringing our boys up properly, are we, to understand football? But, you know, I think probably as, as an experience of football, that was probably fairly untypical 
uh, of, of football. You know, everyone cheering for everything. Because, I don't know, my impression is that football, the rest of the time, is like pretty tribal. You know, it's kind of full-on tribalism, isn't it? You know, is, is that fair? I'm trying not to communicate too much of my disdain for football, as I, as I say this. But, you know, people, they, they identify with a, with a particular team. You know, they, they express loyalty to that team. They, they dress like them. They, they chant songs about them. They, they spend money on them. They, they even might kind of follow them around the country or around the world as, as supporters and, and fans. And, you know, when, when the other team wins, there are jeers. And there are sometimes tears as well. It's, it's kind of, you know, football teams, I think, probably a kind of subject of much arguing and debate, aren't they? You know, yes, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful game. It's a beautiful game. But, you know, people can get really tribal about all kinds of things, don't we? You know, from time to time, it's a bit like that with politics. I don't know what you think, but, you know, I think kind of US politics in the last few years have just got kind of really polarised and really kind of tribal. You know, for us in this country, a few years ago, the Brexit vote, you know, it just kind of felt like, particularly on social media, this kind of, this kind of polarising people into this camp and that camp. Are you a Remainer? Are you a Brexiteer? There's something, I think, sometimes in the world of, of kind of this, this tribalism, this kind of full-on kind of getting kind of, I'm with my tribe and this is what I'm for. And, you know, as, as Paul writes to the Corinthian church, you know, I think he's seeing this kind of thing happen in the church. You know, the church is, is split into these factions around particular leaders and, and people are, are claiming to, to belong to and to be loyal to, to different teachers and leaders to, to the point where he describes that there's jealousy and there's, there's arguing and there's quarrelling. And where, you know, almost like they're kind of opposing and rejecting anything that the other leaders and teachers said. And, and, you know, seeing that some people are saying, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. And, you know, I, I think Paul is kind of horrified by this behaviour. And, and he, he kind of describes this, this kind of clinging to particular leaders as a, a bit of a sign of immaturity. You know, it's a bit of a sign of kind of you're really worldly as a church because, because Paul has this conviction that the church is meant to look very different to the world around us. You know, Holly talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, that we are to be united. We're to be united in mind and in thought. He's, he's saying, you know, Apollos and I, we're not in competition with one another. We are part of the same team. We're, we're fellow workers. You know, we're working for the same cause. And for the same end. We, we just had different parts to play in that. And so in, in Corinth, which was this kind of elitist, kind of cosmopolitan Roman city, you know, where, where people were evaluated on the basis of their kind of status and privilege. You know, Paul describes himself in a policy. He, he kind of he, he used these kind of really low status, you know, manual labourer, you know, describing themselves as gardeners, you know, gardeners that have tasks allotted to them. And, and so Paul's just kind of giving this really clear statement. You know, it's not our church. Uh, it's God's church. And, and God is the person you need to follow. Now, I, I don't know about you, but this kind of concept of church being split into kind of factions and, you know, opposing, quarrelling and all that kind of stuff, you know, it might seem just a little bit odd to us. You know, I'm really grateful. Um, I've been part of this church for 23 years, not, not part of the leadership for all of that time, but 23 years, quite a long time. I don't remember a time in 23 years where, where kind of this church was kind of split into groups of 
people having kind of different kind of uh, loyalties and, and kind of going off with a loyalty to a particular need or whatever. And, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, that is a really wonderful thing. You know, imagine if the 9.30 service on a Sunday morning, you know, we kind of lined up all the leaders at the front here and we did a kind of Great British Bake Off kind of thing, you know? You kind of vote for your star and you kind of say, and then they're really fun, but you get to vote for the person who goes home for the 11 o'clock. Um, you know, could, could, I mean, it's just bonkers, isn't it? Can you imagine it being like that? But, you know, sadly, division in churches is not unheard of. You know, just recently I became aware of a church of 35 people, 35 people who split into four different factions around different leaders. That's quite an achievement, isn't it? Um, you know, it's tr- but it's tragic, isn't it? That's awful. And, you know, one of the ways that we as church are called to be different to the world around us is that we are to, to kind of actively promote unity, to actively work against these kind of divisions and these factions that, that come out. We're called to have this kind of common purpose and to go for it. And in this passage, uh, Paul gives three descriptions. He gives three kind of metaphors of what the church is to be like. And, and actually, I think they're significant because they all kind of are expressed as, you know, these are things that belong to God. These, you are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's temple and we're going to think a little bit about these uh, more together so you are God's field gardening metaphors are kind of way outside of my comfort zone to be honest with you um, despite my mum's best efforts Uh, but I know enough that that growing is a key part of gardening that that actually uh, you know the key thing for us about being God's field the church being God's field is that actually it's where growth is intended to happen we are to grow we are to grow. And Paul makes it a bit really clear. It's God who makes things grow. It's God who brings growth. Spiritual growth doesn't come from people. It comes from God. Now, there is a role for us all to play. There is a role for people to play in, in planting and in watering, helping that growth to happen. But God makes things grow. And I just want to say, you know, as, as leaders, kind of as a whole kind of team here, we're really committed to helping people in this church to grow in their relationship with Jesus. You know, during the, the various uh, lockdowns, you know, there were lots of us working really, really hard, you know, losing quite a lot of hair in the process of trying to making sure that there was kind of online services happening and editing and being streamed and, and recording and mixing worship songs, which is a heck of a lot harder than it looks. Um, you know, running Zoom small groups uh, across the church, you know, children's activities, other connection points. Um, I just want to say, yeah, huge thanks to so many people who put so much effort into doing that. But, you know, why, why do we do it? Is it because oh, we're just looking for that opportunity to be in front of the camera lens? We just can't, can't wait to be YouTube stars. You know, actually, we, we did it because we're committed to helping people in this church of, of all ages and stages. We're committed to helping people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And, and that desire, you know, continues now. That is what we are about as church, about helping people grow. Small groups, uh, you know, the weekly Wednesday prayer gathering, the wholeness course, which we've heard about, the Whole Minds website, Alpha, Sunday mornings, Muddy Church, you know, children's groups, Devo, um, you know, all of that stuff, that's not just keeping busy. Um, actually, they, they are for... They're allowing us all an opportunity to grow, to help our children grow, 
to help ourselves grow and to help those in our local community to grow in faith too. And if you're, you're new here and you're exploring faith, maybe you're kind of watching online and, uh, you know, you're kind of not used to the church kind of things, you know, we, we just want to say, actually, if you're exploring faith, we would really, really love to, to help you with that. Uh, but also know that, that you are on a journey along with the rest of us to grow more and more like Jesus, to know more of what it means to, to follow him. And as we think about growth, um, you know, I've just got a little question for us all to answer and to answer just kind of honestly in our hearts. How, how committed to you? How committed are you to your growth? How committed are you to your growth? You know, being here on a Sunday is a sign that you're committed to your growth, which is fantastic. Being part of a, a small group is a really, really key way of saying, yeah, count me in. I want to become more like Jesus. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I know kind of just reading my Bible for a kind of a short amount each, each morning is really key to, to allowing God to grow good things in me. You know, stepping out in faith, doing something stretching, um, for God, you know, doing something outside of our comfort zone, like, you know, use gardening metaphors. You know, this is, this kind of stuff, it, it grows uh, in us. Sharing our faith with others is a stretching and a challenging thing, um, and it really helps our own faith. How committed are you to your growth? But also, how committed are you to helping others to grow? It's not just uh, leaders who have a role in, in planting and watering. You know, we've all got a, plant, a part to play. You know, all Christians are in ministry. Um, you know, at some points we might be planters. We might be those that are sharing the gospel. In other points, we might be waterers, those that are kind of helping people have a deeper understanding, helping people to, to live out their, their faith. You know, what are the, some of the things that, that you can do to help others? You know, for parents here. And how, how committed are we to helping our children to grow in their faith? You know, I think that's down to the choices we make with what we do with our Sunday mornings. You know, it's about the, the priority that we place on discipleship and, and prayer and the Lordship of Jesus in our homes. You know, if, if you're not a parent here, or maybe your kids are kind of all, all grown up, you know, you've got a really vital role to play in helping other people's children and young people grow in their faith. And, you know, in fact, we really, really need you right now um, to, to get involved in that. So do um, let me know if you can. But how committed are you to helping others to grow? So there's that first picture. We are God's field. The second metaphor Paul uses for the church is this. You are God's building. Now, again, I'm a good deal less handy than the average person. I'm probably a good deal less handy than the average potato, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm really not very handy at all. And I've noticed Deborah's resisting the kind of wild nodding up and down. But, you know, the, I, I think I probably know just enough about building to, to know this, that actually foundations are absolutely key and building materials are absolutely key. Um, you know, I was looking the Shard in London. You know, so it, when it was built, it was the tallest building in the EU. And it's you know, 310 metres high. That's kind of really tall. Um, apparently, the foundations for the Shard, they go down 53 metres in the ground, which is that's quite a lot of concrete, isn't it, to go down. Um, but, you know, despite the fact that it kind of looks like it's kind of bits of glass just kind of resting against one another and hope, hope you know, it's a bit like a, a, you know, a game of Jenga where you kind of hope that it doesn't fall over. You know, it looks a bit like that. And yet, actually, what's within it is this kind of, this, this concrete core that, that's in there, giving it this kind of structure. And there's this kind of steel frame that's, that's coming off it. And that's about as in-depth as I can get on this kind of stuff. But, you know, what we do know is the materials that we use and the foundations we have 
are absolutely key. And, and Paul is really clear. He's really clear that he is not the foundation of the church, that he, he laid the foundation through preaching the gospel. He, he established the church, but, but actually the church is not his church, it's God's church. The foundation is Jesus Christ. And this is the foundation of which the church is built on. And as, as we look around us, we know that people are tempted to kind of build their lives on all kinds of faulty foundations, you know. But, but we see that, that kind of scripture says that you know, Jesus is the firm, deep foundation, not only for our lives, but also to build the church on. But as Paul kind of talks about these building materials, you know, what, what does he mean? You know, gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay and straw. You know, what does he mean by, by building materials and this? You know, what does it mean by, you know, being tested with fire? You know, actually, he doesn't really say exactly what he means by building with gold or silver as opposed to kind of hay or straw. But I think, you know, Paul has written enough in other letters for us to kind of get the gist that, that actually building with good materials, it's about godly character. It's about spirit-led, sort of scripture-led, you know, sound decisions, you know, Christ-like actions that make a difference in what we're doing, faithfully using our gifts to serve him. And and actually what Paul's saying is that when we use those building materials, that actually what we build, what we work on will last, which is really great news. But on the other hand, kind of power-grabbing, divisive, you know, argumentative, you know, quarrelling, this kind of personal agenda that, that kind of can come with building. Actually, that, that won't survive. That won't survive testing on the day of judgment. It will come to nothing. And of course... You know, Paul is speaking into the life of the church when he's writing this. But, but we also know enough about Paul that he sees Christian work as not only work in church, but the work that Christians do all over the place, in their workplaces, under all kinds of secular authority. And, and so, you know, we, we know this, that as, as we build on the foundation of Jesus, as, you know, whether that's at church, whether that's in our homes or whether that's in our workplaces, if we build faithfully, if we uh, build with the right materials, if we live according to the pattern provided by him, then the work we do will stand into eternity. Isn't that an amazing thing? Isn't that so encouraging that actually the work we do now, even in our workplaces, will stand for eternity? You know, it's Sunday today. Your involvement here today in building as part of this church that can have an eternal significance. It's Monday tomorrow. The work you do tomorrow at home, in your workplace, you know, building with faithfulness, with, with godly actions and character at work, those can have significant, eternal significance too. How, how are you building? What are you building with? Are you building your life consistent with the, the foundation of Jesus? And finally, as we come into land, we've got... Uh, this final image, which is this, that you are God's temple. Speaking to the church, you are God's temple. You know, a few chapters later, Paul says, you know, your, your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, but here he's saying, you know, you, you know, you plural, you together, you all are God's temple. You are the place where the Holy Spirit is living, where the Holy Spirit is active, and where the Holy Spirit is at work. And and throughout the whole New Testament, you know, the church is presented as, you know, a, a community that is to stand out in the world. You know, Jesus says, 
Uh, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You are to, to shine. And our calling as church, as God's temple, is to, to create a community that looks completely different from the world around us. And what is it that makes us different from the local social club? What is it that makes us look different from a sports club? What makes it look like different from kind of, you know, our favourite football team? Actually, you know, it's the, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. It's the Holy Spirit working to kind of illustrate through us to the world. This is what good, true community is to look like. This is what I always intended community to be. And so if we give the Holy Spirit room, uh, that he'll work through us and he'll bring that illustration to life in the world. So, who are we? Who are we? We are God's field. We are God's field. Are we... Are we committed to our growth? And are we committed to the growth of those around us? You know, we are God's building. What are we building? What are we building with? Are we building consistent with the foundation of Jesus? And then we are God's temple. Are we, as a church, are we giving the Holy Spirit room? Are we giving the Holy Spirit the space to, to, to change us and to transform us and, and turn us into that kind of community that the kind of world looks at and says, this is amazing. This is what real community looks like. And so, um, yeah, some challenging questions for us. And I'm just going to take a chance to, to pray for us now. And we're going to take a chance to give the Holy Spirit room to to work in our lives, to help transform us, that actually it wouldn't just be our kind of Sundays that are filled with, uh, with his presence, but something of the rest of the week too in all that we embark on. So I'm going to encourage you to stand. I'm going to encourage Annie and the team to come up too. And uh, as we kind of go into worship, we're just going to take a moment of, of pause and a quiet to reflect on what we've been thinking about, to reflect on, on this and to, to ask the Lord, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you want us to carry out as we, as we leave this place today. And so God, we wait for you. Holy Spirit, come. that you are at work in our church community. I thank you, Lord, for the, uh, for, for the legacy of all those that have built before us. I thank you, Lord, for people that are standing here today who have been part of that building over many, many years in this place, in this, in this community. And I thank you, Lord, for them. I thank you for their faithfulness, I thank you for their obedience to you. And Lord, we want to be those who say to you today, Lord, that we are committed to growing. We're committed to helping others to grow. Lord, we are committed for our children and young people to know what it is to have a Saviour, to have a Lord, to know the Lordship of Christ in their lives 
And as they are both our current church and our future church, we ask, Holy Spirit, would you fill them? Lord God, would you work amongst them? Would you grow more of you in their lives, God? That Christ-likeness, would you be building, Lord, we pray, in our lives, in this church, Yes, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Lord, we just ask for your your perspective. Lord, we we know, I know that for, for me, I can think that some things are priority, but actually when I look at my life, the way I'm living, the way the choices I'm making, actually it doesn't reflect that that priority. And I just wonder whether there's people here this morning who, yeah, feel that sort of same sense of conviction. Actually, these are the things that we say are really important to us, but how is that actually working out in our lives, the choices that we're making? I pray, Lord, that you just speak to each one of us this morning. Jesus, will you give us the right perspective? Will you help us to see with your eyes the way that we're living? Will you convict us this morning? that you'd release um, those, uh, Lord, who kind of, the, the workplace and the kind of weekly grind. Uh, at the moment, it kind of feels like, I don't know where the vision is. I don't, I don't know what this is achieving, what this is doing. But I thank you for your promise that there'll be an eternal significance to work carried out with godly character. Work carried out as faithful builders, not only in the church, but in the whole of our lives, in the workplace, in the home, in the school, in university. And I just want to pray this morning afresh for an anointing on people whose Monday morning needs to look a whole lot more than Sunday morning where they kind of need a fresh vision, a fresh sense of your, your equipping, a fresh sense of your vision for all that you'd have them do. So Lord, what do you do? I pray. As we worship you, as we turn to you, we recognise we are a worshipping community centred on you, built on the foundation of Jesus. We build on you.